0: Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 145 of the Mandolins of Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. Hope everybody's doing well. 145, five away from 150. I already have guest 150 lined up, or guest for episode 150. Did the interview already on this past Wednesday, and it was amazing. I'm excited for you guys to find out who it is, but I gotta have a little suspense here, so I'm not going to tell you quite yet, but uh, I think you're all really, really going to enjoy it. It was, a, it was a great episode. It was going to be a two-parter. It was a long one, which was, which was awesome as well. So, so I hope you guys are doing good, man. I played a gig last night. Charleston here, and talk about the strange things that happen sometimes. Um, We ended up playing some tunes with the old singer from the Bare Naked Ladies, Stephen Page, and he was he was great man. He was in town to do uh, for like a um, a mental awareness, a mental health awareness clinic, and and it was amazing. I got to see that performance and. You know, I mentioned you. Know, oh, playing, playing down the street. There, we have a mutual friend, and we went to lunch together. And and uh, you know, it's like never expected him to show up, but he not only showed up, he showed up before we started and stayed till we ended. Three hours later, and uh, came up and sang some Beatles tunes and a John Prine song. It was really awesome. A super nice guy. I highly recommend checking him out, especially if he's doing one of these. Um, it was kind of half spoken word, half songs. It was really, really amazing to hear about, um, you know, mental health. Uh, you, you would think somebody who's in a successful band and making money and living the dream, uh, what, what what problems could they have? But, you know, he did. And uh, it's really interesting to hear. So speaking of checking things out, this is your last week, last few days, actually. It's till the end of July the 31st to get 10% off straight up strings. And if you haven't checked them out, you should really do so now. You can get the additional 10% off single sets, And if you go to straightupstrings.com, first thing you should do when you get there is sign up for the newsletter. Roger puts together a really great newsletter every week. And yeah, try the strings out, man. Hear every note of every chord. When you're at that website, you can hear all about the story. They put so much time and effort into making these mandolin strings. It's great. So be sure to take advantage of that extra 10% by using the promo code MANDOBEER, all caps, at checkout. I wanna congratulate also my sponsors Peghead Nation. They won from the IBMA the Distinguished Achievement Award of 2022, and it's no wonder why. I mean, they have—I say it every week, and I mean it—they have the greatest set of instructors out there that you could possibly have. You got Sharon Gilchrist, Joe Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning. It's the best of the best. Ian Curry, this Brazilian choro. I mean, they've got you covered, beginner to advanced. It's all right there. And they're all great people, and just the, the content that they put out outside of the lessons, too, the, the instructors jamming together. It's amazing, and, and, and the most amazing part is they give you the first month for free. Go to pegheadnation.com, use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout, and find out for yourself why they won this award this year. Congratulations again to my friends at Peghead Nation northfield mandolins let's build more than a mandolin together check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings demonstrations and special workshops and holy smokes check out the cases that they just put out available i knew these were coming my uh, octave mandolin is in one of these carbon fiber cases they are incredible looking And um, the prices listed at the Northfield website right now are a special introductory price. So if you want to uh, get in on the ground floor, as they say, and get one of the cases while they're still discounted, you should do so today. Go to NorthfieldMandolins.com. Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player, built in Austin, Texas. Be sure to check them out. You can find them at Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, vintage, fretted, and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They are in their 50th year. They're family-owned and operated. They ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at Elderly.com. All right, let's get into the episode with Jake. Man... I love Jake Jolliffes playing. If you don't follow him on Instagram, you really should. I mean, he's just one of those guys that drives me to work harder. Every time I hear him play, and I mention this in the podcast... Yeah, uh, but it's worth mentioning again i mean it's like he gets better every time and he's already amazing so but it's really great also to listen in this episode because he also goes through the same things of thinking maybe he was better 10 years ago and in in things like that so it's really refreshing to hear a player of, of this level uh you know talk about things like that the daily struggles that mandolin players go through and he's got a killer new album coming out it comes out on the 5th of august uh, there's a link in the description below To uh, go and pre-order that and help. Let's help Jake He, he made the top 10 of Billboard's uh, Bluegrass charts with a jazz album uh, Just a few months back So let's help him actually make the bluegrass charts With a bluegrass album And if you don't think it helps It absolutely helps Bandcamp reports the numbers to Billboard So go and do that And enjoy this episode With one of my favorite mandolin players Jacob Jolliffe Cheers everybody Yeah, now it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, and I think now you've officially taken over for Jared Walker and Tristan Scroggins as the uh, the most appearances on the Mandolins of Beer podcast, Jake Jolliffe
1: Oh, thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. That's some good company. Yeah, yeah
0: man, for sure. <laughs> thank you so much for doing it again, man. I really do appreciate it.
1: Well, man, thank you. I mean, I uh, there's only so many good outlets for promoting <laughs> Mandolin-related stuff, and you are... Definitely one of the top ones. Oh, <laughs> thanks, man. So I appreciate appreciate you uh, putting up with having me yet again. Oh, dude, please!
0: I'm again. <laughs> like I've been. I mean, we talked about this before. I am a huge fan of your playing. I'll, I'm sure I'll lead into that intro with this too, because again, like when I started this podcast, one of the things I wanted to do was have everybody get to know like all these mandolin players, you know, and my dream was it would last long enough <laughs> and make it through COVID where people were still listening so yeah. that people could come back on. And then now now that people know about you, now you can come on and just promote whatever it is you're working on or if you have a new album come on. That's the whole plan of this podcast was to give people an outlet to uh, to advertise their new albums and because there isn't. There isn't anything out there. There's not really record stores hardly anymore, and you know, unless you yeah. can afford to get a bunch of vinyl pressed and ship it everywhere, you know. So right, yeah, right. So I'm happy to have you on anytime, man.
1: Oh man, well I definitely I even I was just out with my band a couple weekends ago, and a couple different people walked up to me and said they'd heard me on here. Oh wow, so <laughs> you've got a lot of a lot of people listening. That just blows yeah. my mind.
0: It's so cool, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know what else is a mind blower? The last time you did this podcast, we didn't talk about it because nothing had been confirmed yet, but you have been filling in with Bela Fleck for some of these shows now. So congratulations on that. I know it was, we talked about it offline. It was a huge deal, you know, for, I mean, it would be for anybody, obviously, but you know, for especially somebody who, you know, grew up listening to Bela Fleck as a big fan. I mean, what's that been like, dude?
1: Oh, well, I mean, really a dream come true. You know, he's, if I had had to, you know, list five guys that I hope to get to play with or, or that Hope would call me, you know, at some point in my life, like he would have undoubtedly been on that list, you know, and one of my biggest heroes and he's had such an amazing career. And, um, yeah, and, and I was actually, you know, we had actually never met uh, prior to him contacting me about um, – filling in on some shows so that was flattering too that i you know i wasn't i didn't really know he was even aware of my playing at all so uh, it was really you know f- flattering on uh, every level you know and and now it's just been total pleasure to get to play his his amazing music and with with just the the creme de la creme of you know other bluegrass musicians playing you know so <laughs> it's been great yeah
0: did you did you get a chance to like rehearse much with with the band once before you did your first gig with them?
1: Yeah, we did. We we did. Um, so Cody Kilby was doing that run of shows back in May, and uh, him and I it was our, our first run. Um, so we did like multiple days of rehearsing with Bela just as a trio, uh, and Justin Moses he came by for a day to help help us with that too and then we did a couple more days with the whole group so bail is definitely a a fan of rehearsal which and i am too so um you know and his music is not easy and kind of (laughs) sort of sort of requires constant maintenance So much to remember, and uh, there's a lot of fast stuff and a lot of complex uh, sets of chords and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's you know it's pretty constant rehearsing and stuff on the road, which I love. Yeah.
0: Oh man, I bet. Totally. How cool. Man. Yeah. Um, speaking of Justin Moses, I, when I saw them, I saw him at IBMA, and you yeah. guys are. He's, are like a ridiculously talented guy. I mean, playing Absolutely. playing banjo with Bela, then playing twin fiddles with Michael Cleveland and Dobro. My like, oh my gosh, a guy! Like what? In the yeah,
1: heck? he's he's ridiculous. He's a great mandolin player too.
0: Well, actually, I've had him on. Yeah, I knew I, I you know I've had him on. So I definitely was with his mandolin playing. And hey, gosh, yeah. He yeah, he's a total
1: monster, and he's you know he's understated like um and an unassuming dude you know and and but by the end of the show he's sort of stealing the show in a certain way because he's just (laughs) ripping it up on you know with Bela, he rips it up on dobro and fiddle and banjo and then he's a great singer too so he's he's just a monster and he's a great great hang super chill dude so uh yeah i'm really it's been really great to get to connect with him uh, on the road you guys played in Charleston,
0: and the, the main curse of being a working musician is not going to a bunch of shows that I would love to go to. And if, if I could have put one show on my calendar this year that I would have loved to have gone to, <laughs> it would have been you playing with Bela. That would have blown my mind to see it in my, like my favorite venue. So hopefully I'll get a chance to see it again.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there'll be another chance, and I, I get it, man. I mean, I don't like saying no to a gig. Oh. Yeah, and it was <laughs> one of those private of, gigs. Yeah.
0: If, if it had been just like a bar gig or something like that, I'd been like, I don't know, you guys, you've, we'll just figure it out. But it was one of those yeah, private ones totally. that I booked. I'm like, oh, I can't get out
1: well, of this. Oh <laughs> I know how it goes, man. I'm, I've, I've probably – missed too many good shows for really not good enough gigs at, at <laughs> that point so that's why right, i gotta so, pay the bills you gotta pay the bills yeah exactly
0: yeah what was the uh, what was the hardest tune for you to work on for that bailo one because you know you you do some pretty advanced stuff anyway but there's you know those bailo ones are pretty pretty tricky and twisty and turning. i
1: mean yeah no absolutely in general i wouldn't say there's any one any one tune that stands out i mean because it is kind of um it requires a somewhat similar skill set to my music um or i should say my music requires a similar set to his because it, i'm really influenced by him um so in je ge- i mean there's a general level of sort of nerves um for me playing that gig playing the gig just because <laughs> it's playing with playing with a hero and with a bunch of other heroes on stage too and so um you know, it's definitely taken me a while to to relax at all, and still I'm I'm more, you know, on edge. Just not that that's not a bad thing always, but I'm, you know, um, it you know it's a high high pressure thing. Uh, the duet, you know, when we do the duet, I get pretty nervous doing that. The, <laughs> and then I'm sort of, you know, I'm like a extremely poor man's Steely doing doing that, you know. So,
0: is that um, um is that the psalm? Is that psalm? Yeah, God? yeah,
1: exactly. nerve-wracking just because it's so exposed you know uh and I've you know made some nice big mistakes on it so far but it's (laughs) it's, but it's been you know it's really fun and I'm glad that he does it and has confidence in me to pull it off um I mean yeah it's all it's all difficult but I would I wouldn't say that there's one tune um if anything it's sort of like Q, you know, compounds in that—that's like okay, we just did this crazy tune. Now we got to change gears and do this crazy tune that's a different time signature and tempo and has all these crazy parts and different kind of soloing and 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 just the kind of pressure that comes from every the fact that everyone else is so on point all the time. Um, there's no room to slough off, and I'm glad <laughs> glad about that. You know, but, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it seems like he's had yeah. kind of like a uh, like some of those people have played multiple shows before you're going into that you know with uh with Bela ahead of time so was had Cody done some shows before
1: before? no so that's the thing it was Cody and I we had our first shows sort of together um but yeah the rest of the cats Michael and Mark and uh Brian Sutton and Justin they've all and Sierra and Sam that whole crew you know they've all done a bunch of other ones um uh, you know, I think the, maybe the first group he toured with was with Sierra, I think. And then I think the next one was sort of the old guard, older guard with Sam. Um, so, you know, both of those guys set a really high bar for mandolin, uh, but it kind of, in you know, they're like almost opposites in the way they play, but both amazing, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. My buddy Keith saw you at Delfast. Um, I didn't get to see you, but he sent me a text and I think it was actually, he, he saw you with uh, Bela, but then he, the picture he <laughs> sent me was with your band. Oh, nice. It, it just said, newsflash, Jake Jolliffe is a badass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no yeah. doubt, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate that. It was definitely, I did the Dell Fest, the Bela show was on Friday, and then my band, uh, we played Saturday and Sunday. So it kind of came as a relief in some ways To the Bela show was the, the more nerve wracking for me, you know even though it's not the one under my own name but uh then it felt good to play the shows with my band where it's just a little more relaxed you know
0: and then speaking of your band you got a brand new album coming out man and it is incredible thank you
2: Road, promenading green. Tell
0: me, tell I got to listen to it over the weekend. Uh, how did you come
1: up with the name of the band? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so far, creative, creative album titles has not been one of my
0: strengths. <laughs> um, it's so good, the, the Jacob Jolliffe Band. And first off, I have to compliment you. Um, as a fan, and I can literally say I probably heard some of your first recordings because before I, you know, like I ever like knew you or knew of you, you I heard of you on the Tone Poets album. And oh, whoa, wow. uh, yeah, and like immediately, I just remember thinking like, wow, this this kid's already really, really good. And you already had like there was just something about your phrasing I thought was really cool. And so I've you know like I've just kind of followed your stuff forever and. like you're one of the rare musicians that I really truly think grows every time I hear you're playing that's so hard to do especially on a mandolin (laughs) you know I mean yeah yeah you know again we were talking like you know there's there's people who have unique tone and you know their tone gets like better and richer but you know a lot of that for like guitar players comes like from the fact they can finally afford some crazy boutique amp. <laughs> you know what I sure, mean? Or like, sure. you know, buy some hand-wired crazy pedal. But like with the mandolin, it's yeah. it's, it's a pick in your fingers, you know? And, yeah. and I just, it, it really inspires me and drives me anytime I see a video and this new album. And so, you know, I want to pick your Thanks, brain. Man. Of course, man. Thank you. And uh, the other great thing about this album is, is I really think you've, you've come into your own sort of um, style. Like if if I were to hear this album playing anywhere without any contacts, without any vocals, and hear the solo, I would 100% know it was you. And that is like the hardest thing I think to accomplish on any instrument. So congratulations on that.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that means a lot. I mean, that's um, yeah, that's kind of all you can really shoot for, and and uh, and then yeah, that's sort of the ideal, you know, is to to be recognizable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 and you do it, man.
0: And it's and it's a, it's just like, it's such a great hodgepodge of different influences, which is what I think makes you stand out so much more. And then it, you know the 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 strength of not being afraid to play what's coming to mind right away. I, I would imagine is what it sounds like to me. It sounds very stream of consciousness when I hear you're soloing.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, that's kind of the goal. And I think that's sort of a, a real priority of my band. Um, you know, a lot of emphasis is definitely put on the improvising and, and, you know, even though there's sort of, uh, different guys I call on, like, um, you know, in some cases, very disparate players, but, uh, you know, everyone's great and everyone is a great improviser and, and, um, and I think spontaneity is definitely something that, uh, we prioritize a lot in the group, you know, um, who are the, who are all the players on the album for those listening? Um, yeah. So on the fiddle is John Mylander, uh, incredible player plays with Bruce Hornsby, um, and on guitar, my buddy Stash Y Slouch. And he's actually the only guy that was also on my other bluegrassy record, the instrumental spot one, yes. <laughs> uh and then on bass, Miles Saloniker, amazing bass player.
0: has he, he been with you for a minute now?
1: Yeah, Miles has. Yeah, he's been with me since two thousand eighteen. Yeah, great, great player, man. He's yeah, he's fantastic and he can hang with the best of them in like a modern jazz type of scenario. I might actually go hear him tonight playing with some heavy cats here in the city. Oh, wow. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the crew on the record. And those guys tour with me pretty often. And then I got some other guys that I call on once in a while too. Yeah.
0: And how did you, the other cool thing I love about this is some of the song selection, um, like on the vocal tunes. Now, I had to do some research because it it didn't have the uh, I didn't have the uh, access to the credits of them yet. So first off, on the
1: instrumental tunes, are those Uh are those all original tunes? Yeah, all the all the instrumentals are, um, and which on the you know the back of the record those stand out as the goofy titles. Those are (laughs) all the good, the bad, the homeschooled. Yeah, in general, I have trouble naming tunes and I tend to gravitate towards something goofy or some funny sounding phrase like large garbage barge. Um, (laughs) uh, I just, I have trouble, I take my music seriously, but I have trouble taking myself seriously on the naming front. Uh, You know, some people are um, really good at giving their tunes like iconic sounding names uh, that probably even add to the vibe of the tune. Uh, versus I'm just sort of hoping the stupid name I gave it doesn't detract actively from the vibe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just kind of my style and um, uh, my humor. And, and it's, you know, it's also kind of maybe sort of in the vein of some of my bebop heroes that uh, they would rip up these amazing heads, you know, but but then they would have some silly name for the series. <laughs> uh, sort of maybe in that vein. <laughs> And now the, the
0: first track when we had initially talked I knew it was going to be kind of like a, a like a bluegrassy album and so I get, I yeah. definitely assumed incorrectly that it would be some covers of like you know the typical bluegrassy tunes and Columbus Stockade blues obviously so
1: yeah. classic that was pretty trad
0: yeah however stuff like Heads Carolina Tails California and um and uh, Outbound Plain those are like yeah. like country tunes, like and and not like old, old country tunes. I mean they're Tonight, like eighties, nineties.
2: It's Carolina, it's California, somewhere greener, somewhere warmer, up in the mountains, down by the ocean where we
1: Yeah, I think yeah, Hets, Carolina. I think it's probably nineties, and probably maybe Outbound Plane is maybe a little earlier, but I'm not sure. Maybe similar. Um, you know, um, but uh, actually, one um, Outbound Plane. I think my sister. Uh, I first heard her singing that tune, and I think she knew the Susie Bogus version, but maybe the you know Nancy Griffiths wrote it. Um, and, you know, I used to um, listen to Nancy Griffith. My parents used to listen to her when I was growing up. Um, but I feel like I was sort of made aware of it when my sister was singing it a few years ago. Um, and I'd much rather her, hear her sing it, but I, I liked, it, liked it enough to do it um, with my group.
2: Now this doesn't feel the same Talk is cheap so we can talk all night long We may never figure out just where love went wrong And I don't wanna be standing here I don't wanna be talking here And I don't really care who's to blame But if love won't fly on its own free will It's gonna catch that outbound plane
1: And then, uh, actually, um, Heads Carolina is one that, uh, you know, it, there's a famous, you know, um, country version, the Jody Messina. Um, but then I can't take full credit even from grabbing it from her because there was a great local, uh, somewhat local bluegrass band in Oregon and Washington when I was growing up that they would do a cover of that. Um, so I don't even I don't want to take credit from even bluegrass. If I, I mean, I think I do it. Somewhat different actually now, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, I have pretty specific tastes. I don't write any vocal music, but I have pretty specific tastes in the types of tunes I like. And um, some of the other ones, for instance, like Don't Cry Blue and Green Green Rocky Road are ones I played with my dad um, growing up.
2: Uh, a lot of his
1: sort of uh, taste and, you know, vocal writing stuff, I kind of rubbed off on me.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like these are kind of like... The, I was going to ask like how you picked these tunes, but there definitely seems to be some sentiment between hearing your sister play it and a band from your hometown and playing songs with your dad for the selections.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, there's one... I guess the only one that's not that way at all is my uh, Middle of the Moon, the slower tune. That's one that... Uh, beautiful tune that my friend Adam Sweeney wrote. He's a great singer-songwriter in Portland. <laughs>
2: Um,
1: but yeah, the rest of them, um, I think pretty much all the other vocal tunes I probably grew up playing uh, or played with my family, or um, including that gospel tune, they're holding up the ladder. Yeah, by the, uh, yeah. I, that was uh, the Easter Brothers,
0: that was who came, came up on Brothers. doing some research. I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little obscure. Yeah, I love it. it was, so, yeah. it was Middle of the Moon, Um, there were some issues. That was one of the songs that I hadn't hadn't gotten a chance to hear yet. And I think I listened to it like yeah. five times now in the last few hours. And, oh, man, awesome. what a
1: killer, killer song. Yeah, it is a really good one. Yeah, and it's kind of like has sort of country vibes. So, I think it works, you know, well for what we do and uh, a good foil for the – all the crazy picking and stuff to having something yeah. a little more understated. <laughs>
0: no, yeah. It almost reminds uh, me
1: of like a, uh, like
0: a, like a Willie Nelson country, like a jazzier country sort of tune when songs were, you know, it just has some cool. Yeah. The
1: melody and I'd some agree. of the parts are cool. For sure. It has all those four minor chords, which I think give it that vibe. Yeah.
0: Were you nervous to sing in the studio for did, – did you sing – you sang actually on um, some Yonder stuff, right? You sang Dancing in the Moonlight. I sang
1: on some – yeah, I sang on uh, uh, some Yonder stuff, um, uh, and, you know, I sing some, sang some growing up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I still was nervous to to you know, that's, you know, more unknown. I'm much more used to recording mandolin in the studio and um, – but you know, at the end of the day, I just kind of worked on it like I work on mandolin, and then just hope for the best. <laughs> you can't do can't do too much by the time you're already at the studio, other than you know just make sure you're hydrated and and uh, take a bunch of swings at it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Do you remember? Yep.
0: Do you remember of these original or these um instrumental tunes, which was the uh, first one that you were you knew that was going to be on this album?
1: I think the first one I wrote was that large garbage barge. Yeah, large garbage parts, yeah.
0: I mean, the whole album's just so good. And again, like, thanks. you know, I almost say I almost say I get nervous, like, w- like when I listen to something, but I like, I'm just like, he, he puts out so much killer stuff in the last few years, you know, like eventually it seems like it's got
1: a plateau eventually, right? Nope. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I mean, I sometimes feel, you know, I, I do hear myself sometimes from a few years back. and like, oh, maybe I was better then. Um, You know, (laughs) but I think that's, you know, part of it is that, yeah, I'm someone that's always practicing and always sort of, you know, changing the way I play or, or, or trying to get closer to the sound I have in mind. Uh, And sometimes it can feel like, you know, two steps forward, one step back type of vibe. But, um, you know, in general, I feel like I'm at least going in the direction of playing that I like. Um, But But then other times I'll, I will hear myself from 10 years ago and be like, man, I, I, maybe I would, maybe I sounded better then. I'm not sure, (laughs) 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 Uh, but, (laughs) but it's also not worth worrying about. I think, you know, I take a kind of a daily practice type of approach where I try not, I do worry about getting better constantly, but I, but I also, um, I kind of know that's not the right approach. Like I, I, um, little oh, I trying to say like sometimes i'll I'll get obsessed with the results versus um, most of the time I, I try to keep my head mostly in the vibe of just like daily practicing daily trying to get better and almost not worrying about the results so it's it's sort of a weird paradox there because you're 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 doing everything you can to get better um, but you're also like wanting to be better quicker doesn't help anybody like um, you're just sort of progressing at the rate you're progressing and no amount of sort of worrying about it or wanting to be better really definitely doesn't speed it up. In fact, it usually just inhibits it. Um, so, uh, you know, at my best, I feel like I'm just sort of, a, you know, doing it every day, kind of like a meditation or exercise or, or whatever, you know, um, and then hoping that over the course of months, you know, you get better, you know, it's weird with
0: music. It's not like, you know, a, I- you want to maybe compare it to sports, but like sports, there's an end result in, you have a final score, you know, you either won or lost, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, you know, if you've gotten better, you know, if you, you know, you can qualify differently, you know, music, it's so much different because like you said, you're listening back to 10 years ago, but you've also got 10 years of experience on top of being that good 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, it's so yeah. so weird to get in your own head about stuff like that.
1: When I, you know, I know very little about sports. I like to watch basketball, but I, I do think there are athletes that take a similar approach though, where, where, yeah, they're, you know, obviously it's, it can be really objective and, you know, you know, winning and losing, I guess that can be pretty, that's pretty objective, but, but also like, but progress can still not always feel linear. I'm sure like, um, uh, I like to watch Steph Curry. I mean, who doesn't? You know, and and it does seem like that guy is pretty like zen about uh, about it. You know, and can go you know have a go cold. You know, and and, and miss a bunch, but but then he'll just you know erupt, and it just seems like he's a master of not getting in his own way. Um, you know, and, and so yeah, but he's you know he's obviously he's also so good. That's the other thing. It's like you you might feel like you suck some days. But if you're getting to work, if you're getting to play music for a living or you're um, getting to play with people that you enjoy playing with and they are great players, you know, you can't worry about it too much if you're getting to do those things. Um, you know, and if, you know, in general, you know, if I, if a friend of mine, who's a great player, if he misses, if he doesn't hit one solo as well as usual. It's not as if I change my opinion of him as a player. And that's what I always try to remember, you know. Steph Curry always looks like he's having the best time out there, too, which is so refreshing, man. Yeah, and and like we're really, you know, we're pushing my, my ability to have any conversation about sports by even bringing it up. But, he, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really inspiring, you know. Um, uh, yeah, he does, and he's, he does seem like he's a cat that doesn't take himself too seriously, which I really like. Sure. But I bet he beats himself up when
0: he's at home, just shooting around. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. You know,
0: he's got sure. anybody who's, you know, excels at something like that or takes something seriously that they want to be better at. I think you can't help, but be like hard on yourself sometimes, you know, for, for, yeah. for good and for bad.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have to have like an ideal in mind, you know, I think to get, to get better, but but then you need to know when to forget about it. Like by the time you're playing on stage, it's uh, you shouldn't be worrying about, you know, am I good enough or or stuff like that? You should just be focusing on the music, you know?
0: You had given me some great advice um, when I'd taken some lessons with you and just trying to completely scrap some bad habits, you know, Mm -hmm. never taken a lesson ever before I took a lesson from you. So I definitely had accrued some bad habits. you You were just so good with being like, don't do any of this live just let it happen yeah yeah this is this is practice stuff you know you're going to you're going to throw yourself way out of whack and you were right you know because you know the first time i felt like i could maybe pull something off that i was working on i thought about it for like 5 or 6 songs and then yeah. you know drove it right into the ground like <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> you know i'm like ah he's right it wasn't it wasn't ready to happen you know but then a month yeah. or two later you know i'm like oh man there's there's some, there's some cool stuff happening here now that i've been working on it just took it it had to work itself in its you know on its in its own time
1: yeah and, and you know but when you're on stage like all you're gonna do is get in your own way if you are <laughs> <laughs> thinking about your technique thinking about really doing anything other than just listening you know uh and that's not advice i always take it's always advice i wish i was taking sometimes i <laughs> you know i totally get in my own head but it just it never does any good though i can say that pretty 100% of the time um you know you got to be really i think you know being really focused when you practice and then really not in your own head when you play with other people is a good way to be
0: you know my favorite saying is if you think you stink the minute yeah. you, the minute you go to think about something and it's it never fails you get in your own head and it's just like Ah, uh, just let it happen. You know, as much as as much as I want yeah. to say, I do that all the time. I definitely don't. But there's nothing more magical or rewarding for me as a player than having something just out of the blue come into a rip or a lick that you played, and you're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, finally!"
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like whether that's like a new sort of. Um, approach technique wise or a new piece of vocabulary like you can't really shoehorn that you know you can't like i mean if you if you try to jam in some lick you just learned that night um for the most part it's not going to sound good you know you got to wait till you got to practice it so much that it just comes out you know um and i think i think with my group too that's sort of something i maybe pride the group on is like I don't feel like we're we're shoehorning weird stuff into bluegrass. I think, I think in general, it's just that like the players I call on have a very mixed bag of influences and stuff they've really studied, and and then, then it does start to come out per- organically, you know. Um, because I'm 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 the bit, biggest critic of just sort of weird uh faux sort of jazz vocabulary shoved into bluegrass tunes um that's definitely not something i particularly like you know and um but my group is sort of it's on the fringe to begin with you know (laughs) right (laughs) right how many um where did you record the album at uh virtue and vice in brooklyn um really cool studio with a great live room super nice owner rocky that was super hospitable and was super cool about having uh my my buddy dave cinco who uh worked the punch brothers he he recorded the record at virtue and vice um and he's a real audio genius you know and he's he's mixed all the records i've done and he's recorded this one and instrumentals volume one um and he's he's just the best yeah yeah he
0: um I had him on the show. and uh, Oh, you
1: did? Oh, cool.
0: He is so cool, man. Just a great Gray. human yeah. being and obviously extremely talented at getting yeah. incredible tones.
1: Absolutely. He's pretty much the best. You know, I mean, I don't know anyone that can do what he does. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. How many days did it take you all to do it? Um, I think we did it, it in four Is it four days i think four days in the studio yeah cool uh, yeah maybe we i think we rehearsed for a day and recorded for four
0: yeah, yeah it definitely sounds real natural sounding it doesn't sound overproduced
1: yeah 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 it was all sounds live right, yeah I mean, it's all um like we recorded uh all in one room no click tracks um and yeah just sitting in a circle you know or a square or, and uh uh, and then recorded the vocals. We didn't do the vocals last, so we recorded the like beds for the tunes, and then dubbed the vocals over them. But, um, but it, all of it, we didn't do a crazy amount of takes for anything. I wouldn't say. What was the hardest one to uh, to lay down? Do you think? Oh, good question. Um, uh, a couple of the instrumentals, probably like "Large Garbage Barge" and uh, "The Good, the Bad, and the Homeschool." Those 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 both uh had their difficult moments but um in general i don't think arrangement wise it's actually quite as hard of a set of tunes as like my last record was because um, that was like 10 extremely complicated instrumentals and
0: oh my gosh and, yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: they're they're daunting like i forget what one it was off the last album and i was just strumming i was just Monkeying around, like warming up. I'm like, oh man, I think this is a maybe I should work on this tune. And I put it on, like, nah, (laughs) that was definitely part of it. That's that's I'm good with what I have
1: right here. (laughs) I was just kind of going through that same thing because a student of mine just learned an entire arrangement from that record. And I haven't played that tune, it's not one we play live, so I haven't played it in years. And I was just like, how the hell did I play this? Like I, <laughs> I don't know it anymore. He knows it better than I do now. Who's a student? Is uh, a student playing a band? Um, his name's Otto. Uh, Otto Allard. Um, he's a great player. Otto, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's a great player. He's about to start college and
0: about to uh, start college, and he's yeah learned a whole version of a tune that you're like, how the hell did I play this? Man, uh, for sure. yeah, good yeah, for he's, him. He's,
1: He's a great player, and yeah, he knows it better than I do currently. <laughs> so maybe I'll get it back sometime, but he get him to show it to me. <laughs> oh,
0: but how great is that, man? I mean, how great is it to have uh, to be somebody that this guy likes the playing of that he spent oh, God, who knows how many hours probably
1: working on this song? You know? No, it's 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 crazy, man. It's it's uh, beyond flattering. It's sort of like it's more stupefying. It's more. Stupefying. <laughs> I just had a lesson with him and well, I mean I was teaching the lesson though he did most of the playing and uh, he played it I was, uh, and he sounded great on it and it's just it's so long he played the entire band version d- doing all the parts and I was just like damn man I mean it's, it sounded so great it's yeah really flattering and also just like wow that's so much work <laughs> um, yeah. it's really impressive you know and 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 you know i mean i did that same kind of thing um for you know players that i uh looked up to and it's definitely it's it's weird to be on the other side of it you know yeah um, really really flattering what's the tune uh it's that first one storming heaven oh yeah wow Yeah, it has this one part that's super hard that is sort of like maybe kind of faux Brazilian sounding or something. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. I, I mean, he sounds great on it. Man, that's amazing.
0: Uh, good for yeah. him. Ah, to be yeah. young again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, you know, let's have all that time and energy exactly focus I focus holy cow which brings which actually brings me up to this to this next question here because we you know practice has come up multiple times now in this yeah in, in this conversation so how do you how do you compartmentalize currently what's your like do you have kind of like a structured routine because I I feel like you might kind of like structure and
1: um yeah it's it's different it can be really structured like before um it's probably the easiest to know what to practice and maybe the easiest to improve when you have like a specific gig um, or set of tunes for a gig that is sort of this default thing that you have to work on. And certainly prior to going out with Bela, like those tunes, I was 98% of what I was working on was those, you know. Um, And for me, these days, there's almost always something like that. Um, Like if it's a record I'm making or uh the tour i'm going on there's almost always something that i sort of should be working on um and so it's now it's sort of more rare that i have like time to practice where i don't have anything that i need to work on. i mean um actually having just got back from this second sort of tour with bela it's it is sort of a brief moment of uh, i have like a week or two when i i don't have anything cresting <laughs> you know, right away and so it is kind of nice to um practice a little less structured and you know i'm i have like things i'm working on i mean i guess like currently like i'm i'm uh just working on trying to play i guess also especially coming off of a gig where you know i was like nervous for the gig um trying to trying to find like a more effortless way to play um and I guess that because, like, you know, I feel like when I'm at my best and really comfortable and out of my own head, there's a lot of stuff I can pull off um, that's much crazier than what I actually pull off on stage. Um, but the thing is, those factors never line up because I'm, you know, for one of a million reasons, you're in your own head and uh, you haven't figured out, like, the most effortless way to do it yet. Um which is a little bit vague, but it's kind (laughs) of like, but it's, you know, um, it really takes focus to kind of focus on what's really the hang up here. Like what's, you know, why do I have trouble not rushing? Why do I have trouble um, getting the kind of tone I want? Like, or like um, playing it the right volume. I mean, it's, it's sort of, yeah, I've been, lately in the last few days, It's since I got back, it hasn't been as structured as usual, but I've been just doing a lot of trying to sort of make my playing sound more relaxed and feel more relaxed while I'm doing it, too.
0: Yeah. Volume
1: always seems to
0: be, for me, um, this is more of like a personal question, I guess, but like volume, I definitely find like if I'm not trying to play as loud as possible, I definitely play way better. You know, I mean, I'm much more relaxed I, um, and I find sometimes you end up playing louder when you aren't trying to play loud.
1: Um, you- oh, absolutely, yeah. In fact, um, I think playing louder has sometimes very little to do with playing harder. Uh, and I play too hard a lot of the time. Uh, and I know of a way of getting volume that feels sort of pretty like infinite or at least like the max amount you can get out of my instrument. And I know, cause I feel that way of generating volume sometimes. Um, but not always. Sometimes I'm just playing too hard and it's like maybe a little louder, but causing like, w- it's way too much effort. And that's the kind of thing I'm working on really is trying to, I know it's sort of like work on my touch, work on making it more effortless, you know, it's sort of working on control uh, it comes down to, like, practically speaking, like, I'm just playing, like, one phrase or scale or pattern, like, over and over again, <laughs> um, trying to get it to sort of just feel right. And, and even that is, like, a paradox, because I'm not – I'm almost trying um, not to try. Like, it's, it's, like, this process of just sort of trying to get out of your own way, um, which takes a lot of focus for me. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I sound super – hippy-dippy
0: out. Uh, no, man, uh, this is, I love all this stuff, this, uh, the Mando nerd stuff.
1: You ought to just start another podcast. Yeah, one that's like more niche uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, than right, right. Theater, you know? Today we talk about tuning.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like
0: exactly. Just, just an hour long of like just somebody tuning perfectly.
1: Eight episodes, one on each string of the mandolin. When you
0: were working on those Bela tunes, did yeah. you work on it one song at a time until you got comfortable or did you just, did you, how did you approach that? Cause those are, I mean, again, that would be like somebody going through it very similar anyway to like somebody going through and learning your entire first album. I mean, it's very, it's complex tunes.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. One tune at a time. I mean, I take a pretty thorough approach usually. Like I'm not, and also with that kind of tune, I mean, it's basically like classical writing or something like you're not going to for me, I'm not just going to sort of strum along a couple times and then hope the next time it gets better. Like you kind of have to, I mean, maybe some people, especially if you have like crazy ears, maybe you could do that and sort of learn it. But for me, it's much more of like section at a time, tune at a time, you know? Um, I actually learned most of it without my mandolin, just sitting there with headphones. Um, uh, yeah and for some reason i retain it better um if i do that i'll even like work out the fingering for a lick without my mandolin and then i'll play it once i have my mandolin um yeah which is kind of weird and it sounds sort of like maybe like more trouble than it's worth but i have actually really noticed that i memorize stuff faster without the mandolin um and i have this theory that it's because like. When I have the mandolin, some a lot of stuff falls into place sort of automatically that I don't have to consciously think about. Um, and then it's hard to remember once I don't have my mandolin or even when I just haven't heard it for a while. Um, but um, I'll remember it. Like I would probably maybe I might get it a little quicker with the mandolin, but I'll remember it. It'll be memorized in a different way if I do it without the mandolin.
0: So – when i had jake howard on recently and he had put out that Thiele transcriptions and i was talking to him about that and he would do it just in there in the van when they were driving from gig to gig and a lot of times without the mandolin and he was just knew it so much that he was just typing it into like muse score or whatever and and you know right. without a mandolin and i'm like what
1: yeah that makes sense totally and i'm sure too like he probably transcribed some of that stuff earlier and like some of been just like putting it in. It's also it's also like when you're transcribing your own instrument, it's easier to do like without an instrument, you know? Um but I, I'll you know, I also sometimes like I'll transcribe Bebop stuff when I'm on a plane. Um and so I'll like listen to Charlie Parker solo and I'll transcribe it and I'll just memorize it. Um and picture it on the mandolin. But then I'm also more often I'm more likely to be wrong when I'm doing that kind of thing than when it's like...
0: <laughs> Do you think also too, maybe it's, um you know, sometimes I have like, I'll be editing the podcast and I'll have a mandolin that's sitting right next to me here and I'll pick it up while I'm editing and work on something. And then it seems like I lose all my train of thought.
1: No, I totally, I think that might be part of it. I think I have better workflow sometimes without my mandolin um, when it comes to learning something because I'm more likely to like, you know, if I can learn 98% of, a tune without, um, without the mandolin. Um, I might've, there might've been 2% that happens. That's really difficult that I would have got hung up on, on the mandolin, but without the mandolin, I'll just sort of maybe skip that and come back to it later, but I'll learn the other 98%. Uh, and then that's good. Cause it kind of brings into focus, you know, uh, you know, the, what you don't know too. Is there a song out
0: there that you just love that you haven't attempted yet or of just that you just either, um, you don't want to work on it because you like it so much or, you're, or, or it's just something that you've wanted to work on. that just hasn't fallen under. Is there like a dream song that you're like, man, someday I'm going to tackle this song.
1: There, I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of like solos that I'd love to transcribe that I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and in whole styles like that, I love that I I've haven't really had the time to, you know, like I love shoro music and like, I love Hamilton de Holland is playing. I haven't, I haven't transcribed any of it really, other than like, I, I know just like a couple tunes. Um, and, and, you know, and, and like, yeah, I mean, I'd love, and then there's countless jazz solos that I'd love to transcribe, but you know, it's time consuming, you know, even if you're pretty quick at it, it's time consuming and you gotta, um, like I said, a lot of my practicing these days is motivated by the actual next like gig. And what does that require? <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, for, for for like playing the Bela music uh, or whatever, or my own music, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, one other Sonny Rollins solo would be nice to have that vocabulary. But like, I think <laughs> um, working on my touch and, and how effortlessly can I play the tunes that I pl- the, you know, wrote, like that's probably gonna make a bigger difference on those shows, Um and you only have only have so much time, but but then as evidenced by my like Instagram, I'll go through weeks of working on nothing but playing jazz tunes and bebop and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's awesome though. But you can totally yeah. hear
0: it in your playing, which I think is again, which is what I I love about your playing. I mean, you can hear all these different influences in a, but yet in a familiar form of music, and I think that's what I always love stuff that makes me. Uh, like kind of like turns my ear i guess is the phrase of like it's a you know like bluegrass is like a familiar sounding music to me but then when i hear you solo over you know green green rocky road i'm like yeah man (laughs) like it's just (laughs) i'm like yeah that's awesome because it's it's unexpected sure
1: yeah totally
0: yeah yeah is there anything you've been listening to different uh, recently that you've been really loving anything new or different
1: well, I do listen to a lot of old music and a lot, a lot of jazz. I've been listening to a lot of Sonny Rollins, who I mentioned a second ago, and um, the Bridge that record and uh, Way Out West, and uh, I think it's called Nuke's Time or something. Um, those records I've been listening to a lot of. Um, uh, that that's the main thing. Uh, I listen to a lot of pop. I mean. A lot of, in the last couple of days, I think, cause I just came off of a, uh, an intense, you know, tour. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, so less music than I usually do, but, um, what is it? Oh, Dvorak, uh, this, uh, new world symphony, I think is what it's called. That's one that a friend of mine recommended a couple months ago and I finally got around to listen to it. I've been listening to that a few times. Um, but I like to I like to start listening to like on a uh, like Sonny Rollins or an artist like that, and I'll try to listen to every record, um, just because I kind of like a completist, and I like to. But then I'll but then I'll, you know, I'll start at the beginning, and then I'll end up getting burned out. So I'll listen to the first like ten records they made, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then for, forget about it. But so I was doing that with Sonny Rollins for a while. I listened to a bunch of his records. Um, What was I listening to the other day? Oh, Joey DiFrancesco, the organist. um, He's amazing. I was listening to his newest record, which was cool, uh, where he's like shredding on the trumpet and stuff on it too. Uh, Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. He rips on everything. He's like the Justin Moses of jazz. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. That's great, dude. (laughs) I I don't know if he knows joey d's playing or not but (laughs) (laughs) what
0: about uh gear obviously you've been you got the the gilchrist a little while back there did that
1: did that change your strings or picks or anything like that um you know i still use a blue chip pick though i've used it i've tried a couple other ones recently that i liked but i um uh, those ones that frank sullivan is making um a student of mine had one of those that was really nice. I, I need to reach out to Frank. I'm definitely like, I'm kind of with all these new kinds of picks. I'm, um, I'm somewhat interested in trying some different kinds. I like, you know, I like blue chips a lot, but, uh, I'm definitely interested in trying. And I'm, I'm not the most picky either. I, so sometimes I'm like, Oh, does it doesn't make sense for me to use this expensive pick. Cause I'm not, I'm not that picky. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, or maybe I'm pickier than I think. I don't really know, but uh, but like with strings, for instance, I've been using, I've always, uh, I've used D'Addario's for a long, long time. Um, but uh, I, you know, sometimes use the just the normal 75s, and sometimes I use the the nickel bronze ones or whatever they're called. Um, I, honestly, I don't think about it that much. I mean, it's a little bit of a different sound, but I'm just, I just think other things make a bigger difference a lot of the time, you know.
0: I think you're one of those guys, though, that you have a tone in your hands now that you've worked on, and so it's just a matter of if you know if somebody gave you any mandolin with any strings and any pick, you're within a pretty probably short amount of time are going to sound just like you.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. You know, I mean, I think uh, you kind of figure out how to get. The closest thing to what you hear in your head out of whatever instrument you have, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, that's great. When
0: does the, um, the album comes out and it's on a label, correct? That you've, that, uh, yeah, a newer the label? Is,
1: yeah my buddy Joe Brent has this record label at Europa. Um, it's hard to say. Oh, he's a great, he's a great player too. Yeah, he is. He's a great classical mandolinist, um, and jazz as well. And, um, yeah, it's his label, and they mostly just handle the streaming side of things. They're like um, artist friendly, you know. And um, but he, he's putting this one out. Uh, it comes out August fifth.
0: That's exciting, man. And um, and you're gonna be at the. Uh, I'm super stoked to be seeing you at the uh, Green Mountain Festival coming up. Oh hell
1: up here. yeah, yeah, man, what absolutely. A, have you played you know, that you know, before? Cool. I never have. No, I'm excited.
0: I had them on the podcast last week, uh, Jill and John. Oh, awesome. They're awesome people, man. I cannot wait. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. I can't
1: wait either. That's going to be so... Do you
0: have any other shows, any other places where people can uh, check you out?
1: Yeah, I'm playing uh, a couple days before that at Club Pass Oh, neat. uh, In Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts. Dude, what day? I'm
0: flying Uh, into Boston Tuesday that week.
1: Oh, wow. Um, let me see here. It's, uh, I'm looking it up. Uh, it's the first gig of the run. I think it's the 17th. Um, what day of the week is that? Yeah, I have no idea. I'm, uh,
0: Wednesday. Oh, oh man. Well, you man, know, We you might to, still be in the area. We are literally, it. we have, we're flying into Boston with nothing to do until we get to Vermont on Friday.
1: Sick. Well, man, you should definitely come. I'll put you on the guest list. Um, I've always wanted to go there too Yeah, it's it's kind of iconic little folk club um, So yeah, I'm doing that uh, Club Passim on August 17th Park City Music Hall in Bridgeport, Connecticut on the 18th uh, Green Mountain on Friday, on the 19th And then Word Barn in Exeter, New Hampshire on the 20th Cool, man Yeah,
0: yep that's awesome well congratulations again on another killer recording I mean it's so Appreciate good dude it.
1: thanks so much
0: yeah and congrats on cracking the uh, billboard top 10 there with the uh the jazz album making the bluegrass chart with uh grant <laughs> that was so strange I mean
1: uh, <laughs> I love it your podcast definitely helped with that but it was still a little bizarre because it's um it's all you know it's through and through kind of a jazz record you know but um uh, somehow it you know must have been tagged bluegrass somewhere along the lines and um, it sold I guess enough. Uh, <laughs> sort of sad that it made the it made it into the Billboard charts for bluegrass, but you know I'll, I'll take it. You know.
0: Was there any uh, one last question? I guess we don't we don't do the beer question with you, but we how about uh, is there a tune that you've been working on that you love playing right now that if you were to pick up your mandolin you would just play?
1: Wait, actually I. I had a great answer for the beer. Oh, wait, wait,
0: wait. Then let me. Uh, well, let, well, let me rephrase this and not edit it. Um, uh, well, <laughs> do you have a favorite beer you've been drinking?
1: <laughs> well, so I don't drink beer anymore, but I. Um, this is me, my play to try to get a Lagunitas endorsement. They have a. a beverage the Hoppy Refresher, which is, it's like hop. It's like really sparkling uh water um it's like a seltzer that's flavored with hops whoa really Um, and it's really good it's if you like the taste of really hoppy beer but don't drink beer uh it is great it's also like it's and i actually prefer it to a non-alcoholic beer too because it's it's not that you know that heavy feeling that you might get (laughs) from beer not that any listener from annals and beer feels that way but you know, I tend to drink <laughs> six of something, which is part of why I don't drink anything anymore. But you can drink you can drink six hoppy refreshers, and it's, it's six seltzers, and it's zero calories or anything like that. And and now I really want them. To there we go. Start Let's work on Lagunitas. Three hoppy refreshers. <laughs> but and then you asked though originally you asked if, if if there was a tune that I would that I play when I sit down, and the one that comes to mind recently is uh i think it's martha campbell which is like a um really common contest fiddle tune like uh, like the rocky top of like honda's fiddle things, but it was uh, my buddy luke price who's like the reigning national fiddle champion he taught me this crazy version of it um with all these sharp fours in it and uh, really? yeah yeah and it's just a really cool tune and so and it kind of sits well under my hands and so i i've been playing that when i pick up my axe a lot nice man yeah for sure
0: well, dude, thank you so much for doing the uh, yeah, the podcast once again. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and I'm super stoked to see you live here in a, just a few more weeks. So
1: hell yeah, man! It's gonna be yeah, a blast.
0: I'll see if I can't find some La- laganita sparkling uh, sparkling drinks before I uh, before I get there on the way. <laughs> oh man,
1: that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, I really appreciate it, man. It's always great catching up with you. Same here there you have it. Go out
0: and pre-order. Follow the link in the description here and pre-order that album. It comes out on Friday, August 5th. It's a week from today. Well, if you're listening to when this first comes out anyway, it's a week from today. Uh, And let's get get them in the billboard charts again, man. Go out and buy that album. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to get yourself 10% off the straight up strings. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody.